always awesome to get the patient perspective. You know, when we're trying to deal with this malady and this dilemma that is pain, we can't forget that at the center of all of this, everything is revolving around the patient. And really, that's what we're going for today. Awesome this to be here. It's pain refrained. Couldn't be more happy to be in Fort Collins, Colorado today. This is Tim Flynn, physical therapist, with my colleague, Dr. Jeff Moore. And we have the real Brian joining us today. The real Brian is actually coming to us today from a patient perspective. Brian is, you know, I was honored to enter his life, help him along the way, I hope a little bit, uh, after he had suffered some some problems uh, with his spine. So today uh, we're going to be focusing on uh, really spinal pain, and but really more on what's it like to be a patient in this medical industrial complex that we have. So with no further ado, I'd like to introduce the real Brian. Welcome to the show today, Brian. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. You know, I have to say though, that when I said, hey, what should I prepare for? You know, you're like, oh, there's no preparation for what we're, was it the pain you were going to bring me? I think that that goes along with the show, right? <laughs> Indeed. Fairly alarmed. I, I, I think before we go any further, we should probably let the audience know that we are actually sitting around the table and we are live today with the real Brian, who is a, a well-known uh, podcaster extraordinaire in his real life. And so we're honored to be there and we probably should do a shout out to the fact that we are sipping on a local beer because we are here in Fort Collins, Colorado. Absolutely. I mean, Tim, we're always relatively close geographically, but this is a whole new standard. We are shoulder to shoulder here with the real Brian, um, <laughs> who has been kind enough to welcome us into his home. By the way, Brian, this is a heck of a studio you have here, boss. Oh, thank you. Jeez, oh man. And yeah, um, I want to be a little more specific with a shout out there. That is a high hops peach imperial beverage that we are sipping on. Um, high hops, of course, being right across from where I practice in Windsor, a phenomenal group of folks. So I think it's important that we just uh, lay that name down here. So thanks for letting me do that. And I would actually like to give a shout out to Katie there at High Hops, who actually was part of our uh, initial Colorado physical therapy specialist clinic. And Katie and my son and myself and uh, a few other people, we lifted a massive piece of exercise equipment and placed it on our clinic in Old Town, Fort Collins. So uh, Katie at High Hops, thanks for that, which happened literally about uh, eight, nine years ago. Very nice. Very nice. Well, good. Well, Brian, thank you so much for having us at your place, man. This is awesome. Oh, thanks for, I'm excited we get to get together in person. And I'm not sure we mentioned it, that that Brian edits the show. So, I mean, for those of you who are enjoying the podcast, I mean, a lot of that has been the work and the guidance of the real Brian. I mean, Lord knows, Tim, you and I have not been at the, at the helm there. We have been led. We have been led. And with that, we probably should transition to why we actually met because without, you know, that fortuitous meeting, you know, this podcast wouldn't be here. So, Brian, if you wouldn't mind sharing with the the listeners really a bit about your story from kind of taking it back before we even met when it comes to kind of back pain. Well, I'm 6'4", so that's part of it, you know, and the world is made for hobbits. That's kind of my big joke. <laughs> In fact, we just redid our bathroom because the, the bathroom sink was actually about 9 to 10 inches lower than standard bathroom height. So if I got on my knees, I was actually at full normal height for the sink, which is, it's ridiculous. So I've spent most of my life bent over, uh, which I think leads to some serious problems with that. Not to mention, I've never had good posture. I've played basketball. Uh, I did a lot of heavy lifting, you know, with equipment and stuff. And I don't know if I was ever, it was the whole, you know, lift with your back, not with your legs kind of stuff. And yeah, so I'm pretty sure that I had kind of injured my back over the years. 
And we don't know really for sure what it was. Was it an actual injury? Was it, you know, the damage over time sort of thing? I don't even really understand the degenerative disc issue. How does that work? Is that something that could have been an issue here? Or is that a, is that a farce? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting what you're saying. A lot of the myths that are out there about back pain and the fact yeah. that, you know, heavy lifting causes it or certain postures cause it. And uh, what we do know is back pain somewhat ubiquitous. Most of us get some of it uh, throughout during our lifetime. And what we've kind of come to is the fact that we unfortunately in too many instances have peered inside the body and made some judgments about how the strength or fragility of someone's back with the term degenerative disc. And where yeah. did, where did that term come to you? I guess, where, where did you first hear it? Well, it's uh, when the, when the disc ruptured, you know, it was kind of like, well, what caused that? And he said, Oh, it's probably degenerative disc. How old were you at the time that, that happened. Uh, let's see here. So this was what, three and a half years ago. So right about 35, 36, somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah. And that's the amazing thing, Brian, that what we see is oftentimes the correlation between what we see on imaging, you know, those big disc bulges, those disc herniations, that degeneration yeah. correlates very imperfectly to symptoms, right? So, yeah. so even the majority of folks who are in middle age that don't have any back pain have those findings very commonly on their imaging. And Tim here has, has become quite famous um, for a lot of reasons. But one of the, one of those saying, you know, it's really, it really is wrinkles on the inside. You know, we get wrinkles on our face, all of our connective tissue changes over time and so does our spine. But just like your face doesn't become symptomatic, you don't have chronic face pain. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. The spine also wrinkles um, and doesn't always become symptomatic. That is not to say that there are not times where significant structural things happen to the spine that do cause temporary pain. But what they don't probably cause is years and years of pain. You know, at that point, it gets more complicated. It involves the nervous system and it has to oftentimes be treated accordingly to really solve the problem. I'm really curious, Brian, because I, I met you down the, the path post-surgically. And if you could describe, you know, to the listeners, you're, you're kind of when you entered the medical system with back pain about three and a half, four years ago, what was that like and what kind of things did you have done? And what actually, what were your symptoms when you first started to have back problems? Well, to be honest, this was back, what, 2001, 2002. I don't know what triggered it because I know sometimes you, you injure it and then you twist wrong and it, it goes out. But Was it sudden, Brian? I mean, did oh, all yeah. of a sudden you had really bad back pain? Yeah, and so I was in my 20s at the time, you know, young 20s, and I, I, I stepped up from my desk and I, I literally twisted to pick something up light and I just had this searing you know, extreme pain shoot through my body and I just fell to the ground and I couldn't get up for about two hours. That was my first experience. No idea what happened or why I couldn't physically get up for two hours. Did you have leg pain? Was it predominantly in your back at that time? It felt like it was radiating from the low back. Yeah. It seems like that's where it started. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that happened. And then, you know, from there on out, it was just periods of time where there would be those moments, those uh, episodes or, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Brian, what did you do right when that happened? That's pretty severe. I mean, you yeah. went to the ground. I'm assuming you were frightened. Oh yeah. Uh, I'd never experienced that. Yeah. yeah. What did you do in that first 24 to 48 hours to kind of get an understanding of what might be going on or how to go forward? I mean, during that moment of, if I may say kind of, oh crap, this is yeah. not a good thing. You know, what sort of resources did you seek out or do you happen to recall? I didn't because I was young. You know, I'm like, ah, I'm good. I'll just let it, I'll just rest. And yeah. then it went away. It was fine. And then, you know, throughout the years after that, I'd have little episodes periodically and I'd be like, oh, I'll just rest. I just did something to the muscle when I finally started to notice that it was starting to get a little worse. 2012, 2013, and it was happening more frequently. 
And, you know, I'd be just sitting in a lazy boy basically for days because I couldn't hardly do anything and I'd work on my laptop. And that's when I finally sought out physical therapy. I did massage therapy. Personally, I didn't go to chiropractors because I thought, I don't know if this is a joint issue or not. I just want to go. I think this is muscular. Uh, but then, you know, so I did that. We, we, we did some treatment. It wasn't with you personally. You know, I had seen some different PTs over the over that time. But the, the common thing was don't get surgery. You know, let's let's see if we can treat this first. It could be a bulging disc. It could be a muscle. It could be anything. You know, we really don't know. And the treatment for the most part usually worked. It was not instant for me, but it was that really serious pain. You know, not the, oh, my muscle hurts. Mm -hmm. More of that. It's so painful. I can barely think straight kind of thing. Mm -hmm. If I was laying down resting, you know, sleeping wasn't that bad. It was more in the sitting position or standing up and that kind of thing. So that's, I mean, that's kind of how it started. And, And for quite a while, I was just trying to figure out what do I do? Just kind of seeing different people trying to figure out what to do. Went to a chiropractor finally at one point. They did some adjustments and they said, oh, it's, it might've been like the piriformis or piriformis something. Piriformis syndrome yeah. is a pretty common one. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were talking about some stuff and, and their treatment didn't help. Okay. Um, but then later, this was December of 2013. It got really bad and I have never experienced pain like I've ever. <laughs> T- tell me when you yeah. say really bad, where was the location of the symptoms? Did it start to go down your leg as well? Yeah. Is so it, it was low back and then down the left leg. So it was definitely sciatic. Yeah. And how far down the leg did it go back then? Well, let's see, definitely down to about the knee for sure. But I felt the numbness all the way down into the heel Mm -hmm. and I felt it radiating down that far. And so, yeah, 2016, this was Christmas right around that time. And it was about three and a half weeks of just 24 seven level 20 out of 10 pain. Never experienced pain like that. That did point, you get an image then, Brian? When, when did you yes. get? Yeah, when, when did you get that image during that really tough time? Exactly. That's when they said finally it's time for an MRI. Uh, they went in, they did that, and they said, "Yeah, you've you've ruptured your lower disc." The what is it? The L L five S one? Is that right? How can you talk about that educational session when you sat down with the MD there and they reviewed some of your imaging reports? What what was kind of discussed there? How did they convey to you what was going on and? And what was some of that conversation, if you recall? Well, ironically, this was right around Christmas. So, of course, you know, the doctor was gone, mm. which, hey, I would be too. So, <laughs> so actually what happened is I went in first to meet with them and say, you know, is this an issue? And of course, oh, yeah, let's get you into surgery. And I've, you know, I know your show enough to know that that's a very common answer to anything. Let's just get you into surgery. But he was supposedly one of the better doctors in the area. And I talked with the different PTs and they said, well, you may, it may be time for that. When I went in for the MRI, everyone was on vacation for Christmas. So I got a call through a nurse back saying, you need to come in for a surgery immediately. Like this is, this is a ruptured disc. And then I went in at that point and he said, um, you know, you, you pretty much have two choices. You can live with this pain or I can go in and I can cut out the, the fragment that's sticking out because about half of the disc had ruptured mm-hmm. and was pressing up against the sciatic. It's not going to go away is what he told me anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then he said, no, oh, this is easy. No problem. There's a 1% chance of risk of, uh, you know, complications. We do this every day. We'll cut it out. We'll have you walk in the next day. That didn't happen. Yeah. What did, what did happen? Can you kind of tell us about that experience? So yeah. you, you did decide to go with the surgery mm-hmm. and it sounds like, I mean, you had back pain and in our world you had leg pain and, and yeah. you had a history and physical exam that showed that, you know, this nerve was really not a happy happy in a happy place and you know you have an image that correlates with that those findings you know i'm yeah i'm we're we're tracking from those 
from the healthcare providers out there saying, yeah, this is that's that 5% or less that may be appropriate for, for a surgical intervention. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. unreasonable by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. yeah, and I think at that point, you know, he had said, here's the MRI, and, and because it's pressing up against the nerve, you're just going to traumatize the nerve. And I had been completely numb. In addition to the pain, I was numb all the way down to the heel. Yeah. And that had been going on for about three and a half weeks. And he said, at that point, that's concerning. We don't want to yeah. make you go numb permanently. Your decision kind of leading up to having surgery was really very reasonable. I mean, you had had pain many times, quite severe, and you had tried conservative care, right? A few different modes of it. Yeah. And we love to see that. And again, I I honestly, and Tim, I don't mean to um, knock our profession. It's not that I don't care what type of conservative care people get. I, I, of course, I would love them to receive comprehensive physical therapy or comprehensive conservative care in some fashion. But what I'm thrilled about, Brian, is that you did you did look non-invasive first. Mm-hmm. Can I ask why? What what led you to, you know, because you might've went to the ground that first time when you were in your mid twenties and said, yeah. I'm going to surgery. And I bet if you had went in and gotten an image, they would have seen enough on board to justify that decision. So what was it that made you say, I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to try some PT, even as it had gotten quite a bit worse in the years that followed. Why did you seek conservative care? First of all, I thought it was muscular only. Mm-hmm. So that was part of it. I didn't know what it was. And the second thing was, is I had had two hernia surgeries and okay. you know, it's like, yeah, you had to do it. I'm not a big fan of surgery. So the less surgery that I personally get is better. That was my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom's a nurse. So part of that was, you know, educational from her standpoint. Um, but then it was, I think later on when I started to see other people who were having back pain too, and they were getting surgeries on their bulging discs and it wasn't helping. Mm-hmm. And it was just, instead of getting like you said, comprehensive care, they're just going in and getting it solved with pills or surgery and and it never fixed it. So I said, well, let me just keep trying other, let me try all of the options first. Uh, And it wasn't until the disc ruptured that I said, okay, fine, (laughs) time to do it. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for bringing that up because that's what, that's what I think really is poor course planning and management is when you jump right to the most invasive intervention right? We're not here to say that things like surgery are never appropriate. We've never, sure. that would be a ridiculous sure. and, and, and poorly informed comment. We are here to say that when manageable, that accessing less invasive, less risky alternatives makes a whole good deal of sense. And Absolutely. it's when patients come in and say, yeah, I got the surgery. I've been struggling for a year. And you say, well, what happened? I hurt my back really bad and bothered me for a few weeks. And I went in and got surgery. And, and that's when it's like, okay, we really want to encourage people to maybe maybe give it a little more due process and a little more due workup, I think, before jumping to that. Well, and that was part of the education I received even with the hernia surgery is that the doctor that I had seen at the time, who was fantastic, he had said, you know, yes, you have a hernia. It's not ready for surgery. We're going to, here's how you can, you know, work on it to manage it. He said, eventually it will probably come to that point, but we don't, you know, he would even say, I don't want to take you to that point. And I have a heart condition too, which, you know, they said, yeah, you can get this solved with uh, catheter ablation. But we don't want to push you into that either because it's kind of serious. So let's see if we can manage it. So I think part of that comes from, you know, my experiences with my body and with health issues to say, let's work through alternatives first, which I think is great because, you know, then, and I'll share my experience in a minute, but, you know, with, with the doctor, with the back surgery, there was just a lot of, oh, trust me, I know what I'm doing and good luck kind of stuff. And I went, I don't like that. (laughs) Yeah. I think one thing we should not um, skip over is you having that well-informed 
healthcare provider in your family was huge. Yes. Having a nurse, you know, not everybody has that. You, you wind up in this severe pain and, and you're panicked and you don't have somebody right in your family you can reach to who has years of experience and understanding how these things play out. I mean, that was a, a wonderful resource. I wanted to mention something else and, and get your thoughts on this too, is that, you know, I, I was noticing that the pain was so severe and I've, I've heard this and stuff. And I don't know if you and I've talked about this, Tim, but where my heart would start feeling weird mm-hmm. and I'm going, is my heart going to give out on me? Like, that was a question I had. And so That's, I, is that a, is that a real thing? That is so fascinating because think about it again, pain exists for one purpose to tell us that, hey, something's amiss. Mm -hmm. So it's hardwired into our system to say, hey, pay attention. So again, now you're having back pain, not only back pain, some leg pain, some numbness. Your body says, danger, danger, danger. What do we do when we say danger? When we hear danger, um, it's called fight or flight, right? Like, you know, there's actually this bear behind me and this bear is Actually, in Colorado, he migrated down. It's grizzly. You know, I mean, we're, you know, he, he's moved down for better territory. Yeah. And, and so your brain's saying, oh, oh crap, I need, to, I need to do something. So, again, it could be, again, that a classic sympathetic response where your heart rate is indeed increasing and you're having, you know, cardiac changes due to the response of, uh, of the pain. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Yeah. And it's incredible, Brian, how many times our job is to just calm patients down. And that's why I'm, I'm so glad you're sharing your story right now and, and why we're trying to get others to, because the symptoms can be unbelievable and, yeah. and terrifying. And like you said, even getting cardiac effects from that, because your your body's in a moment of, like Tim said, ter- terror yeah. and fear. And, and part of what we do, a big part of what we do is let's bring you back down, right? I mean, let's help you understand that while not pleasant, this is not entirely abnormal. And even though the pain is severe, the prognosis oftentimes is not horrible. In fact, sometimes very favorable, even in the presence of severe symptoms. You know, so a huge part of our job is putting on sort of sometimes our therapy hat and just letting people understand, I know it's bad and I do, and I see it and oh, it yeah. looks rough. Oh, yeah. um, that being said, um, th- there, is, there is a very, very reasonable chance this could go quite well long-term. That's one thing I have to say that was incredible because uh, this, you know, when we started working together, I started understanding that, you know, the pain management aspect and it confirmed some of the stuff that I had had to do, you know, years before this even happened. It was a traumatic situation. You go through really difficult mental kind of stuff, fear, that kind of stuff. And that has the same effect as pain can, you know, uh, on the heart and on the brain and everything else. And so I had to learn how to, like you said, calm down and and just take a moment and just kind of be present. And I used those techniques that I had learned how to do years ago during that extreme pain three-week period. You know, I'd sit in a chair and I would just close my eyes and breathe. And I would just be like, I have to slow my heart rate down and I have to do the best I can to manage that pain. And the pain would lessen. It was really weird. And then, of course, meeting with you and talking to you after all of this happened, I had learned that, hey, these these are confirmed techniques and this is what you're teaching. So it does work and it's incredible. And it helped. I think it actually kept me alive. Yeah. Interesting. And it's so neat, you know, to think one thing that, and Tim, I'd love to hear some of your strategies when you have patients who come in and they are on that edge you know, and they are in a lot of pain. And, and when you're, when you're in a lot of pain, you're often on the edge of making some bad decisions as far oh, as how yeah. your care goes forward. Well, well the, the, the data shows clearly our ability to make 
great decisions changes tremendously when we're under stress, duress, pain, whatever. And we're, we're in such a, I often say vulnerable space. I guess I've gotten so passionate about when you're in pain, you're so vulnerable Mm -hmm. to making poor decisions because the brain is not able to make quality decisions when we hurt. And I say hurt, whether it be what we've Descartesly said is physical versus mental pain, which is pain is pain. I mean, you know, it's all, we've created this bifurcation of, you know, if it's an emotional pain, it's different than a physical pain. And one has more acceptance, at least in our society, right? I guess where I'm going with that, though, is when we're in pain of any type, our ability to make decisions is challenged. And that's why I always, I, I'm so passionate about the patient, you know, protecting them from making poor choices or at least choices that are not necessarily in their best interests at the moment. Again, don't hear me wrong. We have ability to make decisions. We have free will. We have choices we can make. But often when we're hurting the most, our ability to make very rational decisions is limited. And I think some of the biggest roles we have as healthcare providers is slowing down the train pausing, doing what you say, let's breathe. Let's at least get a little window in here that we can kind of take a look and say, okay, what decision should we make? Is this a life-threatening decision? No, it's not life-threatening. doesn't mean it hurts like and this is not helping me. And my, I'm angry at my kids and family and my life is not well. It it doesn't minimize any of that, but it's not life-threatening. So Let's back off from there and say, let's slow down the decision-making process. And I think that's really our role in the new healthcare space is to to help with decision-making that we can make the best decisions for our body. So I'm, I'm curious. I mean, it sounds to me you made a decision that was, okay, it's time. I mean, I'm getting numbness. I'm having changes down into my leg. You, you then go into surgery at the beginning of the year or was it over Christmas, New Year's? When, when did you kind of get into that space? December 31st, 2013. <laughs> yeah. I remember That's a going- good way to end 2013. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> this is, his, I, I mean, this is yeah. wild. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So I go in, yeah, and I, I remember, uh, this, well, I remember this clearly, but I went in with my wife and we're sitting there and I just remember being in pain and I just, I laid down on chairs and I'm just like, here's the thing. To clarify this, I went in with full function, but I was in excruciating pain. Full function as far as full strength. I mean, you could yeah, do I could you- walk around. All my muscles worked. Everything was fine. I was just in a lot of pain. Yeah, a lot of pain. Yeah. Good function. Yeah, exactly. So I get in and, you know, typical surgery thing. And then I wake up, blah, blah, blah. And the nurse finally comes up and says, okay, well, let's get you up. And first of all, do you feel any pain? I said, no. Yay, the pain's gone. I'm so excited. And she's like, get up and let's walk around. And I get up and I immediately fall to the ground. And I'm like, what the, what just happened? So then she picks me up and I'm like, I have no strength in my left leg at all. What's going on? I can't stand up. And then I saw this worried look on her face and then she immediately covered it up. Oh, it's nothing. You know, it's probably just whatever. So then we start walking. I'm like, I can't walk. My left leg is not functioning. What's going on here? Pain's gone, but I can't walk. So then the doctor comes. Oh, it's probably nothing. You'll be walking by tomorrow. I just want you to get out there and start walking a half a mile and then a mile every, just go, go, go fast forward. Three months later, I still can't walk. I have to use a one of those, you know, snowshoe, wall, you know, hiking mm. stick things to hold me up. Go to the bathroom. I have to lower myself down with a walking stick because I couldn't get up and down from the toilet at all. I would just fall and then I would be stuck there. So I had to constantly use myself to get up and down. It was it was crazy. I had like no function at all. 
So yeah, three months later, three visits later with the doctor post visits, you know, he kept saying it'll go away. It'll be fine. Your nerve will recover. I said, I still have no feeling down my leg at all. Completely numb. All to recover. No big deal. Nerves regenerate. And then, like I said, three months later, he's like, I don't know what to tell you. Looks like you're going to have to live with this for the rest of your life. And I said, this is not acceptable. (laughs) And he said, well, you signed a waiver. It was a 1% chance. Congratulations. I'm a winner. 1% chance. I can't walk. So we find out later. uh, And I I spent, man, three, three months living on a couch and pulling this, actually this, you know, (laughs) Mac, I put it on a uh, TV tray and I put the, you know, the keyboard in my lap and laid down on the couch and had to work that way because I couldn't move. Now, what got me up, I'll be honest, it's funny. Uh, I'm a huge dog person. We had three greyhounds at the time. And if anyone knows dogs, the alpha or the pack leader rules the pack. And we've always been in charge of our dogs. No big deal. But I was the weak one. And I was laying down. All of a sudden, the dogs would stop respecting me. And they'd do whatever they want. And I said, what is going on? And I'm like, I'm weak. And I went, no more. And I grabbed that walking stick. And I stood up. And I'm like, I will overcome this. And they immediately sat in their beds respect was back. And I went, I have to fight this. I'm not going to let this overtake me. So that's when I was starting to see you. And I I finally, uh, my in-laws were seeing you and they said, oh, Tim's the best. So I said, well, I want to see Tim then. And they said, well, you know, Tim doesn't take any new patients. And I said, I don't care. (laughs) I want to see Tim. This is ridiculous. And I told them what was going on. And they said, okay, you know what? Maybe we can get you in. And that's when we saw when I first met you and you said, yeah, I need to see you because this was a, as you put it, a, a pretty rare case. And so then we got things going again. Uh, you know, you did, well, you can talk about the medical stuff, but you did dry needling, electrostim, all that. And to this day, here we are, what, three and a half years later, that is that gastroc even doing anything? It, it, there's, <laughs> there's glimmers of hope. I like to say, you know, in that, in that gastro, I mean, your gait patterns definitely improved yeah. in that, that, that head of the gastroc still is, I wouldn't put it on muscle beach at this point in time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, there's other parts, you know, you could yeah. do on muscle beach, but probably yeah. not the gastroc. I'm, this is I'm a concave say. muscle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it, guys, I would love, you know, Tim and I have tried to sort of frame some of the challenges of, of the medical industrialized complex and sort of the way a patient goes through that process from beginning yeah. to end. Brian, how do you feel that your experience following surgery um, when you became aware there were some limitations that were suboptimal, how do you feel that your dialogue was with your surgeon and with their support staff to kind of help you through that sort of challenging time um, emotionally? How, how do you think you were supported in that space? There were no solutions whatsoever. The support staff was nice to me. The surgeon was not helpful because he said, well, I did my part and I don't know what to tell you. Get out and walk. And I said, I can't walk. And he never offered any solutions and he never said, and he said, oh, I'll just, you know, just keep, keep going. That was literally his solutions. I wanted to sue him, to be honest, because I thought this is not okay, but I signed a waiver. So I thought, well, I probably don't have any legal ground, so I'm screwed. So yeah, when it came to that, it's like they did their jobs and they were nice and that was it. Tim, that's where I wonder what kind of resources could be in place, you know, for, for someone in that position, you know, like you said, you signed a waiver, there was a 1% chance in, in, I, I'm fine with all of that. Um, sure. But again, the, the reality was still there. You were having a very hard time physically and emotionally. Yeah. And, and I just wonder, as you look at a long-term pain experience, how much some of that emotional stress and pain may contribute, you know, and, and uh, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if there were some resources there? I guess I'm just musing and trying to paint the, the, the picture for people who are listening that this is challenging. It's challenging on many levels. And the story, unfortunately, is 
when something happens on an intervention side, we know that people that have done it start to withdraw. They know that they have things didn't go the way they wanted. Uh, Clearly, they wanted it to go well, just as you did. It didn't go well. And now you're coming back. You're rightfully angry. You're rightfully disappointed. What typically happens, uh, at least in my world, is that the surgeons or interventionists start to withdraw. Mm-hmm. And they're, they, uh, because they don't have solutions, they don't believe. And yet, there may not be solutions to reverse the process, but there are solutions to improve the outcome. I would, it'd be interesting, you, you know, to see if you would have said, you know, yep, that nerve not doing well was angered, whatever, we need to immediately get you into intensive rehab yeah. to, to, to move it forward. And when I say intensive rehab, I'm saying a very broad-based rehab of, uh, okay, boom, let's physically go, but let's, uh, let's work on uh, strategies, positive strategies, so you become the alpha male and, with the dog pack in the house, <laughs> right? You know? yeah, yeah. And yeah, people that are, are coaching you to be, you, know, you're gonna, you need to get back in the, in the game here and let's, uh, we're not going to give in because that thing, like I say, the brain that changes itself, the, the nerve system that changes itself, that's why I say it's not over. The body continues to adapt and it slowly marches and um, I still think there's fibers that are there. Eventually some innovation occurs, you're back playing hoop, you're doing things. Things. Yeah. And having that message at, okay, at week two, you clearly know things aren't looking good. Therefore, we need to be even more aggressive in getting you into, you know, some intensive totally. rehab. Totally. I blocked a lot of this out, so that's why, but I just remembered yeah, that. Yeah. I remember him saying, you know, uh, well, it's not my fault. And, and that's why I think I got so angry with him. <sighs> but then again, I look at it in two different ways. One is he was prideful. Yeah. And I hate to say this, but you get into a position of power no matter where you're at. You're going to get prideful because you mess up and it's going to get around, right? But come on, own your mistakes. So that was the one thing that I wish he would have done is said, you know what? Well, first of all, so I, like I said, I look at it two ways. One is I didn't like that, but two is dude, surgery. This is a pretty amazing thing that they can go in to your body, move the sciatic nerve out of the way and cut out that rupture and sew you back up. Like it's pretty amazing that that's even a possible technology right now or even ability So on one hand, I think, well, of course there's bound to be risks, right? Mm -hmm. So then I go, okay, fine. There's a risk. He moved the nerve out of the way. Maybe he traumatized it in the process. I I know he didn't do it intentionally. So it's not like I'm like, oh, this guy's malicious trying to kill nothing like that. But I didn't like the fact that he didn't own up to it and he didn't provide solutions and he didn't try to help me to move forward with that. That was the one thing that, but again, that could have been that doctor. You got bad apples everywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I like the fact that it's like, okay, move forward. Now what? There's no going back. I don't think a surgery is going to fix this this issue now. So what do we do to solve it? And, and that's why I came to you. And what a great call to providers. Because Tim, I can empathize with that surgeon. Oh. I've made patients worse and, and it's not something you want to own. But I, I've been around you enough. I mean, what do you always say at those staff meetings? The best thing you can do is pick up that phone fast and own it. Own yeah. it. And, uh, and because we all were human. If we're human, we make mistakes. Totally. But- if we're human and humanistic and we care about those that we're fortunate enough to be around, we say that sucks. I'm sorry. We need to work. We need to get this better mm-hmm. and not over promising, not saying, but Hey, what can we do to improve the current state? And yeah. I always say there's no matter where we are, there's always ability to improve the current state from the point of just understanding and mutually accepting to the point of, Oh no, there's, 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 
great upside potential here. No, there's not perfection anymore, but there's great upside potential. Sure. Let's make sure we, we get you into those spaces that can do that. Yeah. We, we think about those small things that can set your course emotionally as a person following that, that event, which was very emotional. Imagine those words of, Brian, I'm so sorry this happened like this. Like we said, there was a small risk in yeah. this, and this is that small percentage. Yeah. But God, it, it really pains me that it went this way. And for you to be able to hear that, that would have been, I think, a really different emotional turning point for you to hear it from the surgeon, um, from the provider of, gosh, you know, we're in this now and we we are in this now and we're going to go forward. And you know what? I can't speak for everybody because I'm sure people get backlash, but I can tell you that if he had owned it, I would not have come after him. I would have said, you know what? I knew the risks going in. Thank you for owning it. What do we do now? What's the next steps? And I would have moved forward. Some people, of course, would throw everything. Oh, I spilled hot coffee on me. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to sue McDonald's, right? Yeah. Some people are idiots. But, you know, the rest yeah. of us, it's like, you know, we, we, yeah, thank you for being honest. And let's let's go forward with that. Wow. Powerful story, Brian. And it, it's so interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit stunned because, again, you know, you see it in first visit, you know. Yeah. Again, I don't really hear the whole story. Until now, you know, how many years later, I'm actually getting the whole story and it's just, I'm, I'm a bit stunned here. So I'm going to throw it, it to you, Jeff. It's just, one, it's just wonderful because then again, I think with each of these podcasts, Tim, we've had really individual and poignant learning moments. And I think that for providers, this is a huge one. You know, that when things do go wrong, that urge to backpedal, well, you know, what did you do? You yeah. know, were you in the yard gardening? Yeah, that's right. And, and, right, and you're trying. Oh, you overdid your exercises. You over- yeah. 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 <laughs> As opposed to getting in that space with them and being there and owning it. Yeah. And Brian, I really appreciate you sharing kind of your emotional response to that because as providers, we have to value that above all else because it's about you. It's not about us. And, and we have to own that, especially when the going gets tough. So, so please take us from there. So you, okay. you, you went and you saw Tim and how was that experience? How was working with Tim and information you received? And, and just give me a little snapshot of sort of how that changed things. It's horrible. I mean, that's why we're here today. I, I've been, co- <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to coach him up, but it's been very rocky. He's been yeah. working with yeah. Yeah. Brian, I'm getting better. Just helping <laughs> yeah. me. He yeah. is. He is. We have a whole group around him. Terry's been doing a good job. There's a, a lot of hands. <laughs> no, I, I got to tell you that, uh, like I said, my, my experiences up to that point were not, I mean, they weren't bad. Some of them were fine. Some of them weren't good at all, obviously. But I'll tell you what, seeing you, uh, and I've always said this to people, Tim has a real gift. Like there are people that are trained, and I see this too. You know, I'm a musician. I'm a performer. Uh, you see people who can get trained all they want, especially being a pianist, right? Somebody can train on the piano, but in order to make that piano sing and truly evoke an emotion, that takes a gift. And that's how I see you in the PT profession. And that's how it was amazing. Cause I mean, you'd go in there and you'd dry needle and I'd be like, well, this doesn't even hurt. I mean, it's, you know, it's weird. It's not the most comfortable. It's not like, I'm like, Hey, let's, let's go get some dry needling tonight. <laughs> Woo! No. But it didn't hurt. I mean, that's what was amazing about it. I did have dry needling with a different person and it did hurt, but the person was a little younger and just hadn't, you know, it, that's fine. Right. We all have to learn. So that's why I say like, you really have a gift with the body and understanding it and not even just knowing it, but feeling it. It's, it's a science and an art for you, which I think is incredible. And so with that, you know, you took me through treatment to let's get that gastroc stimulated. Let's get the nerve regenerating, you know, let's calm down the other muscles that are compensating, which to this day, even as you know, I've got tons of other muscles that are constantly compensating to keep me standing or walking or moving at all. So walking was anybody that knows the gastroc it's balance and it's push off. 
that's difficult when you don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. And as a result, it created a lot of hip problems because my hips were you know moving incorrectly uh, and so on. Like my hamstrings were all messed up and usually in the left leg. So it was constant pain from the back, the lower back radiating and then all the way down the legs just all the time, just because everything was doing what it shouldn't have been doing. And so I, I, you know, I would work with you. You'd get it kind of back on the right track, calmed out again. I'd go into massage therapy, which was also very helpful. And then also Pilates personally for me yeah. was, uh, you know, the key exercise because walking is difficult. Biking is easy because we yeah. don't use the gas truck mm-hmm. when we bike. Biking is wonderful. That was my great exercise. Basketball was hilarious. I went from like the fast break man to the flopper. Looked like a, I don't even know on the a duck or a penguin trying to run or something. It was horrible. Yeah. And then so Pilates, we would go in and we, we did a soleus move and we, I still do that where it would try to strengthen up the soleus. And I think that's also been helpful for allowing me to walk and get balance. And you had me do the calf raises and uh, it was it like the first couple of years I would just fall pretty much. And, and now I can do it. I can actually hold myself up. Yeah. So it's been a lot of that kind of treatment. And I think actually those three things, it's been keep moving, uh, get the posture going, you know, come to see you regularly. Massage therapy was for all the other junk that was messing up. And then the Pilates was targeting specific muscles to keep me going. And that was something that you endorsed as well. Like, let's, let's get you into that. Let's do that. Um, and then we talked about, we've talked a lot about nutrition too and environmental stuff and everything else, which I also think has helped because when I don't eat healthy, you know, I gain a little weight, which presses on the nerve more or anything else. And so keeping healthy and fit to the best of my ability has helped, you know, to minimize all the other stuff too. Indeed. Yeah. Well, it's always fascinating to I'm so much smarter, you know, now than I was then. And that's why I look back now, <laughs> you know, I, I'm in my mind, I'm saying I didn't do enough. I didn't do quite the right things. And, you know, I'd say now if you came in, I'd have quicker skill set to say, get you to this space quicker, you know, yeah. and it, it is interesting how we're all evolving, right? You know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm honored that I, I hopefully was of some use Man, to you, Brian, but a lot, a lot. I love Brian, how you say biking was great. Basketball was a struggle, right? Yeah. I mean, the nature of basketball. And I think that again, a call to patients who have wound up in a challenging spot Things might not be exactly the way they were before, but I think yeah. a big part of the game becomes problem solving. What can we do? Okay, I'm still able to bike. Okay, great. Yeah. You know, and, and, and now strategizing, how can we, what, what would success look like if success looked a bit different? And, and I think that's a lot of times where we can come from as providers and offer a lot of value is we don't need to replicate your earlier life. We do need to help build you a great one. And you said that too. That was one of the things you said, well, you may not be able to do it like this anymore. You learned so that what, from me. Yeah. 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 Jeff yeah, helped me a lot. <laughs> but I like that. It's like, what can we do now? And so yeah. I think even a lot of the time, just having those conversations while you were doing the treatments and stuff too, is going, this is a mental game as much as it is a physical game. And so for me, even saying, you know, okay, I can bike. This is great. Right. Uh, and I, I've told people this, that I can't function the way that I used to but I'm stronger and healthier than I was prior. Wow. And I would have probably never been as strong and as healthy as I am now because I wouldn't have had a need to. So I would have been fat and lazy. <laughs> I, I hope not, but <laughs> that's a powerful statement though. Again, yeah. you know, using uh, we, the, a challenge opened a different window and not one that we would wish, but I mean, speaks to resiliency and your ability yeah. to, you know, to overcome and say, okay, well I'm going to forge a new path and here it is. But I will say it is not easy. It was never easy. I went through a lot of struggle mentally 
just saying, oh, I have to get up and do this. It's like I had to force my body to move when it was hurting. I, I just wanted to throw that in there because right, I think people what? say, oh, well, that's nice and all, but I'm in the middle of it and I'm dealing with this. And it's like, no, I, I know how hard it is. You know, again, that that's where, where it's at. I mean, when you say those difficult times getting up and having to do it, what what motivated you when there was no change occurring, but you still got up and you did things? Oh man, that's a good question. I told you the dog story. That was one of them. I mean, that was the initial one, but I I have this belief that if I wake up, I still have a purpose. You know, I'd wake up every day and be like, well, I'm hurting. I don't want to get up. I'm exhausted. I still to this day have a hard time getting out of bed because my body's just exhausted. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even if I get eight hours of sleep a night, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is, this is challenging. And then usually what I have to do is I have to get up and make breakfast and sit in the chair for 30 minutes to kind of let the body warm up. If I just get up and run, I'm hurting the whole day. So, you know, there's, there's those limitations, but, um, and that's a good question. What motivates me? I think partially being an entrepreneur, I'm stubborn. So, you know, I have to, I have to succeed and keep going and never give up kind of thing. But part of it is, you know, like I, I just, I've seen people, I've had friends throughout my life that don't have a lot of challenges and they live passive apathetic lives because it's comfortable. And I'm like, I don't want to be one of those people. So I think that's, I don't know if that's the answer you're looking well, for, but it's the answer I, t- I tell myself. Indeed. And so do you have a superhero that, that, that you look <laughs> up to? <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. I know. I like the superhero stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're sitting here in Brian's uh, incredible studio and there's superheroes all around that are just, it, it's hard to, I, what do you think, Jeff? How do you describe the space? It's oh. just cool as shit. No, this, is, this is fantastic. And I, I think we sound better with these high quality mics. <laughs> we definitely sound better. You know, it, it's funny though, guys, that, that last point there, that's heavy. And Brian, I really appreciate you sharing that in the challenges and, and sort of the darker spots that you have encountered. And Tim, like you said, what pulls you through? Because a lot of times that's, Brian, what we wind up asking our patients and having a real heart to heart. You know, I walk in here and I see your affection for your dog and you can see some of that stuff. And that story you told is not lost on me, mm-hmm. that you saw your dogs going south, you know, and they weren't behaving well. And, and you want to set that example. That's a monster deal. And those are the conversations we have with our patients all the time is what do you need to keep going for? You know, what, yeah. who's in your lens? You, you know, and it's amazing what they'll tell you. Like, Jeff, I've got to keep my shit together because of this, because of this commitment I have, because of this family member. And I think sometimes that is tapping on the deepest aspect of a person is helping them to realize their purpose here. And if, if that purpose can help move them forward a couple steps, all of a sudden we've got momentum again. But in our darkest spot, we do sometimes need people to draw light to that. And I can tell you that, you know, I, I it was wonderful that my wife was there to help and take care of me in those moments. But I don't like having her to have to do that. I wanted to get up and say, you know, I don't want you to have to be burdened by this. So that was part of it too, is to say, you know, I need to be capable strength mentally, physically to be able to take care of you as well. So that was definitely one of the main ones. And as I've met, you know, as I've said before, you know, like I, I've been through a lot of traumatic and, and painful situations in my life, not just physically, but also mentally and emotionally. And I hate watching people go through that. So that's another motivation is to say, you know, what can I do to help people? That's why I podcast. That's why I am doing what I do today is because I want to see people win and I want to see them become the hero in their life and in the lives around them. That's probably the motivation. I was just trying to put it, you know, you hit me yeah, on the spot. I'm like, wonderful. I don't know what to say. 
Yeah, well, that I mean, that's a great transition. Plus, I love food. <laughs> food I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I've been struck by this. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to come on your podcast, and you asked some really insightful questions. And I just, I, I'd love to if you could uh, shout out to the listeners and tell us, you know, where to find you and uh, kind of what you're doing in the in the world of. I mean, you're helping a lot of other podcasters. Tell, tell what you do and, uh, and where they can find you. There are listeners. Well, it's called the real Brian show. It's real com. And I'll tell you what, it's been kind of funny because, uh, I, I think I'm an anomaly, although I think there's more like me. I've realized through the years that I'm one of those people that relates to a lot, but I never really fit into a group. Did you ever see or read the Divergent books or movies? Yeah, totally. We I'm actually like just, we actually just did. Yeah, I'm yeah. Divergent. Yeah. Yeah, I don't fit into a faction. And that's like, no, you know, I kind of relate to a lot. And I mean, it was so funny. And after you were on my show, you said, man, if I didn't know you, I would have thought you were a physical therapist. And I thought, wow, that's that's a compliment. How? I don't know. But I've heard that before from different people that I really get into different topics. I'm not one person who dives into one thing. In the world of podcasting, they're like niche business niche. That's how you make your money. That's how you succeed. And I thought I tried that and I thought, man, I just, I can't, I'm not a niche person. I'm somebody who wishes that, you know, radio stations when I was younger would have played a variety of music, you know? And so I've realized since then that I am uh, I'm a nonconformist. And so I'm, I'm really trying to reach out to those people who don't, you know, really fit in but they relate to a lot, you know, and I want to encourage those people and I want to help them to, you know, really, again, it comes back to becoming a hero and uh, everybody wants to be a hero, right? You want to save mm-hmm. someone or something at some, you know, some point. And I really want to help people to do that. And I'd like to have a lot of fun. So my Friday episodes are just flat out entertainment. Anything goes and we just go crazy because we need to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Laughter was one healing thing for me, by the way. Indeed. So, yeah. Indeed. So, so they find you at the the real Brian show.com. Yeah. Right. You actually can go there. Yeah. But real Brian show.com is the main website. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Twitter yeah. handle at all. Or, yeah. We, we always try to get you guys to plug that if you don't mind. Sure. At I am the real Brian. That's Twitter. And then I'm on Facebook. Actually go by the real Brian on Facebook. So real Brian, if you want to connect with me there. Well, well, Brian, it's been an absolute pleasure. I mean, thanks for having us in your house. Um, thanks for letting us use your rock star equipment. I will be honest, I'm going to feel a little bit insufficient when I go home to my to my little mic on the three-legged stool. Um, and this has been wonderful. But Brian, thank you very much, too, for all the effort on the podcast. Uh, Tim and I, this, this is near and dear to our hearts, and this is a big deal. And you've done a phenomenal job in leading us and making this happen. We really, really appreciate it. And thank I'll you. just echo that, Brian. I mean, it, I often say, don't don't ever underestimate the power of the words we say to help healing what's what ails us in society and there's a lot of pain and this whole podcast is about story sharing and trying to reframe people's pain such that they're not suffering and that there's a there's hope and a healing message going forward and really i'm i'm honored to have met you and honored to have you on the podcast oh i i'd share the sentiments likewise very much and and this podcast and this topic has been obviously near and dear to my heart as well so I'm I'm just so excited you're doing this and, and I know it's going to help a lot of people and I already it is. It, it already is. I share it with people that aren't even PTs and just say, you're going to learn something. <laughs> you're dealing with pain. Check this out. Those are our favorite people for you to share it with. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, Brian, thank you for another amazing episode. I mean, great to chat with you about the challenges of the system, the challenges of decision-making, the importance of having you know healthcare providers in your family and those resources you can tap. And these are all things I hope that our listeners and our providers really resonated with. 
You know, and I hope that one huge thing that jumped out at me on this episode was that real concept of ownership. And when things do go wrong, um, being willing to be in a therapeutic space as a group of individuals and put our pride and ego aside, because at the end of the day, it's not about us. So thank you to everyone for listening. Keep tracking us. We are at ispinstitute.com. And as always, at evidenceinmotion.com on the blog there as well. Um, We are all over social media. So thank you again for what has been a true outpouring of support. I think that it really speaks to the importance of the topic on how much you all have engaged. So please share with family, share with friends, share with providers, and let's keep the patient right in the middle of the focus. Thank you all and have a most excellent day. Pain Reframed is brought to you by our sponsor, the International Spine and Pain Institute. Check out their transformative pain science programming at ispinstitute.com.